You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly interviews on topics to help entrepreneurs make their first or next step in business the right one. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. As the world and marketplace begin to shift its primary focus from millennial generation to generation Z, it's up to us to get ahead of the curve. Because of this, I decided to bring on a Gen Z expert to the podcast to share with us everything we need to know about engaging with Gen Z. Today's guest is Mark Beal. He is a keynote speaker, research expert, and the author of the book titled Engaging Gen Z. Although this episode will certainly not contain any parental advice or how to be less annoyed with your younger brother or sister, it will help you better understand the mindsets of Gen Z, everything from marketing to consumer habits and even how they engage at school and work. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 102. And now let's not wait any longer. Here is my conversation with Mark Beal. Mark, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. Alex, thank you very much for having me. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for saying that because we actually had the opportunity to co-lead a roundtable discussion about podcasting a couple weeks ago. You know, it was funny about that conversation is the topic of Gen Z came up organically. Someone else brought it up. I believe it was a question somebody had. And then you just kind of started talking about your book and the research that you've done on this. And I'm pretty sure... I, I basically called you out to be a guest on my podcast in front of everybody. So I didn't really give you a chance to say no, which that's a great strategy now that I think about it. But uh, <laughs> thank you for agreeing to do that. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, like you, I think, you know, it's, it's important. We talk a lot about our personal brands. We talk about our brand narratives. And, you know, again, every opportunity you can get. To me, all those things kind of are baby steps that build and evolve your personal brand and, and kind of amplify and share it with others out there who, who, um, you know, may in turn reach out and say, Hey, I heard what you had to say. We could use you to uh, deliver a keynote to our company, or we've got a conference. So I think it's important to, uh, you know, to, to do all these kinds of things on a regular basis. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So thanks again for, for agreeing and, and being here. And today, what we're going to do is we're actually going to walk through some of the lessons from your book, Engaging Gen Z, which, by the way, I found so helpful. Really enjoyed that book. Uh, I think many of us, and I, we do have some Gen Z listeners, so I'll be sure to give a disclaimer in a minute here. However, I think that many of us, we look at Gen Z as our annoying little brother or sister, right? Like that's where many of us are at, or the, the son or daughter even, wherever it might be. But I think that you did a really good job explaining everything from engaging Gen Z when it comes to marketing to also how they actually are learning at school these days. So I'm excited to actually go into this. And I want to say thank you for doing the research because you did a lot of research to really write this and find the truth about Gen Z. Yeah, I, I have a passion for research. You know, that dates back to when I led uh, was a, one of the owners of an agency, a New York based agency where we were working with category leading consumer brands, mostly around sponsorship of sports and entertainment. But Every campaign has to be grounded and has to be informed by research, right? You don't just come up with the big idea. First, you go out and do research of the target, target audience. You research the competitors and all that. So I've always just loved research, and now I've shifted that focus of my research to um, Generation Z. So on an ongoing basis, I'm doing you know, um, quantify, quantitative online surveys. I'm doing qualitative interviews almost daily, if not weekly. Um, I just fielded this week my latest survey on Gen Z and their interest or lack of interest in the Olympic Games this summer. And so those results will start coming back in this weekend and next week. And then I will start to share those uh, results with, you know, 
on my channels, but also relevant media. So sports business journal and, and outlets like that, that would be interested in, in those, that kind of research. I love that. That's really fascinating. I'm looking forward to actually seeing that. And before we get into the actual lessons we're going to cover today, I'd love if you would be willing to just share with us an overview of Gen Z. Who are they and what makes them unique? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Pew Research Center sets the birth years for generations. And it was only a couple of years ago, they officially declared 1997 as the first birth year of Gen Z. Now, that doesn't mean if you were born in 95 or 96, you, you may be a, you know, you may, you may be a millennial slash Gen Z, you're right in the middle there. But officially, you know, from a birth year perspective, Gen Z is born starting in 97. Pew won't set the last year actually for another few years. And then comes Gen Alpha, uh, of which I have six grandchildren who are all Gen Alpha. So, um, But I, I kind of for now use 97 to 2012, kind of a 15-year span. So if we look at that, Gen Zers, your oldest Gen Zers graduated college, class of 21, 20, 2020, 2019, maybe 2018. Majority of Gen Zers are in college, in high school, in middle school, in elementary school, right on down to about probably second or third grade. So that's where they are in their life stage. and for just about any organization, universities, corporations, brands, professional sports leagues, professional sports teams, this to me is the next most important consumer segment for you because as they do graduate college and get that first job and get that first credit card and sign that first lease and buy that first car, they are now getting into that life stage, right, where they're starting to choose and select which brands they are going to become customers of, which brands they may support for the rest of their life. So to me, Gen Z right now, and of course, over the next decade or more, is the most important consumer segment for many, many, many different organizations uh, across the board. That's, it's really fascinating. You know, you had a quote in the book that really stood out to me. I, I laughed pretty hard when I when I read it, and you probably know which one I'm referencing. And you said that Gen Z is the first generation that swiped before they wiped. And uh, that was good. I really like that. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I have to say, every time I present my keynote speeches, it's one of my first few slides. It's not my quote. I wish it was. I wish I was. I wish it was. It really came from the CMO of MTV when she was at a conference about a year and a half ago, and I do give her credit every time. Um, but it... it, it it gets the same reaction every time. The room always laughs, but they kind of get it. They're like, makes sense. They've had technology. They've had a phone, an iPad in their hands since age of one, two, three, four. And so they are very, very comfortable, especially for those Gen Zers that are listening. Hopefully they're nodding as I say this. Um, just very comfortable with technology, very comfortable with, um, uh, you know, constantly evolving. You know, so I always use this example, especially when I'm presenting to corporate America. You know, if you're in your 40s, 50s or older, you know, you get the, you know, the update to your your iPhone or the, you know, a new app and you're like, I don't want it. You know, I, it's going to, who knows? Gen Z's like, bring it on. You know, if it makes, if it makes life more efficient, more effective, um, give me more <laughs> advancements, give me more apps, give me more updates to my phone because uh, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, this has been, this was really fascinating for me to go through your book. Once again, engaging Gen Z, I realize that they're very smart when it comes to technology as well. Like they're not just adapting and using everything that comes out, they're using what makes sense. And they're very quick and good at evaluating whether it's going to make sense for them or not. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. So I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. I think they, they, you know, very quick to, if lack of a better word, test and learn, you know, does this app, does this program, does this platform, uh, is it going to help me? Now we say help me. 
a lot of Gen Zers, as you know, um, incredible entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, now, that entrepreneurial spirit could be a business they started. It could be, I've got a great example of a 16-year-old in California I'm collaborating with quite a bit. He, he launched a nonprofit. And, you know, so, but it's still an entrepreneurial spirit, even though it's a nonprofit. Um, and so for him, to your point, he's constantly testing different platforms, apps, uh, and other things to make his nonprofit, again, more effective, reach more people, uh, more efficient, more user-friendly, all those things. And so I think that's just the mindset of Gen Z. Hey, Alex Sanfilippo here, and I want to take a quick moment to intentionally serve the world with you. Here's what I want you to do. Think of the one person you know who would most benefit from listening to this episode today. Now, I want you to send it to them, but also include an encouraging note explaining why you share this episode with them specifically. By doing this, you're helping me grow this podcast, and you're also adding value to the people you care about. With that said, thank you for your continued support. It means the world to me. And now let's get back to today's episode. So throughout the book, you have six different parts, and they cover a total of 60 individual lessons. And we're obviously just going to cover a fraction of those today for sake of time, of course. But I really picked the ones I think would be key for the creating a brand listeners to understand. And one more thing before we dive into those, though, I want to give a quick disclaimer here and acknowledgement that many of the community members that make up creating a brand are Gen Zers. They're the Generation Z. And this episode is not to pick on you or to make it sound like we just don't understand you. It's really just figure out how we can all better serve you because for lack of a better term is cheese. It sounds you're the future. And we need to all make sure that we're figuring out how we can adapt and adjust to kind of make room for you the next generation. So it's really for all of us to help each other and understand each other better. So with that said, I'm gonna go ahead and just jump straight into this. Uh, Again, you cover everything in here. So I'm really excited about it. I'm going to actually skip part one, which was the Gen Z glossary. I will say I was super thankful for that, though, because there, there were some words and some phrases that you covered in that, that I was too ashamed to ask for a definition of and I now have the understanding of those things. So thank you for that. Yeah. And just a quick little story on that. When I authored Decoding Gen Z in 2018 and was researching that, again, conducted many, many, many interviews in person, by phone, uh, online. Uh, and right from the first interview, Gen Zers were give, dropping terms that I had to say, slow down. Uh, can you define that? <laughs> you know? and, and I'm glad I did because then what I did was when I started every interview, pretty much with interview number two, I said, before we actually conduct the interview, are there any terms, any terminology, any lexicon? And they would rattle them off right away. And then for engaging Gen Z, we did a refresh on that and just said, you know, I bet you the vocabulary, the, the, the terminology is, is expanded. So let's uh, let's expand it. So the glossary for engaging Gen Z is, uh, is even even bigger. And uh, if I you know, authored a book today, it would it would even grow. So it's yeah, Gen Z definitely has their own language and lexicon. Yep, the book's worth getting just to have that. It's like your dictionary you can walk around with. Um, But anyway, with that said, I'd like to go ahead and transition here into the points that we're going to cover, starting with part two of your book, which is Engaging Gen Z with Marketing. And I want to immediately jump into into lesson five. And you say to put purpose before profits, and as a result, you will profit. Can you explain this point a little bit? Yeah, so Generation Z is the purpose generation. Uh, Now, not every Gen Z may say that, but many who I interview do and they talk about the idea of the purpose generation. So what they mean by that is they are looking to support brands and companies with their dollars uh, who demonstrate purpose beyond just making money, right? And as we came out of 2020, out of the pandemic, out of the Black Lives Matter awakening, we started to see this idea of purpose really have a spotlight. And so Gen Z will tell me that, you know what, 
before I make a purchase, especially a significant purchase, I'm actually going to do my research because I want to see, is this company purposeful in their actions? Are they supporting important initiatives, uh, charities, causes? Um, and are they backing that up? So is it, more, is it more than just a press release and a check, but are they demonstrating purposeful action? So it's, um, it's an important element as I go out and speak to, um, again, corporate American brands. I tell them that starting in, well, last year, but we'll say 2021, every campaign they launch, every campaign they go to market with, even if it's a fun campaign, you know, a campaign from, I'm making it up, but a, a Bud Light or somewhere or a Taco Bell, even if it's fun, before it goes to market, they should ask themselves, is there a purposeful element in this campaign? If not, should there be? And, you know, what can that be? Again, purposeful element could be some sort of, um, again, charity, uh, cause-related element that doesn't take away from maybe a fun campaign, from, a, a, you know, a, a campaign that, uh, you know, makes you laugh a little. There's nothing wrong with that. So it's just that idea that purpose is really important, and this generation supports brands and companies that demonstrate purpose consistently, um, and they'll demonstrate that, and they'll support them potentially for a lifetime. So that's, you know, customer for life is, is, is critical. This is an interesting point. Actually, again, Gen Z, this is something that I really respect about them uh, because purpose is more important than profit. And I think that many of us previously have gotten that really wrong. Now, if you're somebody who's just starting off, let's say you've got the side hustle or maybe the startup and you're, you're very new in your business, how can you begin to implement a purpose that's going to matter to someone who's a Gen Zer into your business instead of just focusing on the profit? Because a lot of us, we're just trying to make any bit of profit we can. So what would this look like for somebody getting started to have that purpose behind it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, I think it's important. It doesn't have to be on some grand scale, right? So purpose could be um, potentially just, you know, aligning with a local high school, local university, um, giving opportunities to Gen Zers to gain experience, to gain internships, those kinds of things, you know, at that kind of scale. Um, it could be um, uh, working with, I don't know, an organization like, I don't know, Boys and Girls Club or, um, you know, an organization where it's really giving opportunities to those who may not have opportunities. So it does, again, I think the key here is it doesn't have to be on a grand scale, especially if you're just starting up your company. But is there an element of your startup that, again, isn't just about, so to speak, selling more widgets, um, but there's this, again, purposeful element to it, which can be very community-based. Again, if you're a start, you start up and you are based in a certain town, a certain county, it could be very community-based. Um, and, and I think even more powerful is something that actually does, say, align with a Gen Z uh, organization, charity, or cause. Um, you know, uh, because again, that's, that's a direct connection to, to this, this consumer segment. That's a good point. I'm, I'm glad that we really covered that one for me personally with my company, something we did early on in COVID when we realized it was actually my wife who made this realization that many kids no longer, that were not as privileged as some of the others of us, they weren't actually getting food anymore because they relied on going to school to get food. And so we immediately aligned ourselves with a local food bank that was able to actually to, to provide food and take it to these children that needed to eat. And that went really well for us from a business perspective as well was not was I want to make sure this is very clear. That was not the focus. I wasn't like, if I do this, more people will buy my stuff, right? Like the, the focus was, hey, there's kids who need to eat. And thankfully, we're making money. So we are going to use that money to feed somebody who can't eat. And uh, that was the purpose. And it really went over very well. And that's something that now I'm always going to incorporate because yeah, it, it builds a community 
past my product and service and into an actual purpose that I now have with the organization. People know that they're also helping with that. And again, it kind of it does lead to profit, but that cannot be the mindset behind it. You're, no, I, I think that is a great, great example. And I'll just, you know, on my side, my focus, my purpose after 30 years in marketing and public relations, and uh, while well, I research Gen Z and write about Gen Z, my purpose now is to give the next generation the opportunities I had to get a career in marketing and get a career in public relations, uh, all those things. So I spend an extraordinary amount of time, which I don't get paid a dollar for, in just creating opportunities, connecting them with CEOs and CMOs of companies, securing interns for them, securing their first job out of college, um, because maybe they just don't have those connections. They don't know those people. They don't, how do I, you know, so I just, in fact, when I, we get done this, I'll, my next call will be with a someone who just graduated who's having a challenge getting their first job. And so we'll spend an hour plus strategizing, and then I will spend a couple more hours making connections with heads of organizations, helping this individual to get job interviews as early as, you know, today um, with the goal of securing a job within the next 30, 45 days. So that's my purpose now. And it's, it's all about kind of giving back to this generation. Again, that's lesson five, put purpose before profits. I, I love that one. I'm really glad we covered that. that was like the, the highlight one that I really wanted to get into. Mo moving along, though, staying in the same part of engaging Gen Z with marketing is down to lesson 12, where you say get real. And I just want to talk about this for a moment. What do you mean by get real? <laughs> This is funny. This has come through loud and clear in a lot of my qualitative interviews. Gen Z is just like, be authentic, be genuine, don't be phony, right? Just, I, I think it, it's, a, I think the word that always seems to just come through from Gen Z is just authenticity, right? Just be authentic about, again, in this case, we'll talk, we'll say a brand or, or, you know, a brand uh, corporation. Just be authentic about who you are, what you are. Don't try to be something else, right? Um, and so that word authenticity comes through a lot from Gen Zers. They're looking for uh, the authenticity in a, and again, a brand they may support, a brand they may purchase from, uh, as opposed to a brand that's trying to be something they're not at all. So even at a small level, you know, and we've seen this before, you know, a brand who will take, say, that Gen Z glossary, and all of a sudden on social media, they're trying to speak the Gen Z language, but Gen Z's like, you don't even know what those words mean, right? That's that's not being real. That's like trying to be, you know, hip, and it's backfiring on you. That's actually going to backfire. So it's just it's just the idea of uh, you know, be authentic, be who you are, be what you're all about. Um, and this generation appreciates that, uh, even if you're not, even if you don't speak our language, even if you know you're not savvy to what we're doing on our phones. Um, just just be you, be real. This is a great transition into the next point I want to bring up, which brings us into part three, engaging Gen Z on social media. And in lesson 33, you talk about making your presence felt on Gen Z's big three. Can you quickly explain what the big three are? Yeah, and the big three has kind of evolved into the big four, even I think since I wrote, uh, since I co-authored uh, Engaging Gen Z with uh, Michael Pinkowski, a stu student at Harvard University. Um, so today in 2021, uh, I would say the big three today for Gen Z are um, in order. Uh, Instagram and YouTube are kind of one and two. They, they kind of flip-flop a little bit. And again, completely different platforms, right? So not necessarily, but Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, if we wanted to throw a four in there and make it a big four. And then, of course, you have a lot of other platforms and channels where Gen Z is hanging out, they're gravitating to, they, they're consuming content. So um, you know, um, Twitch obviously continues to emerge. Obviously it started more as a video game 
video playing, uh, all that, but it's emerged much more into a content platforming. Rolling Stone now has a presence on there. Uh, Discord is quickly become incredibly popular over the last year or two, where you can find communities of shared interest, shared passions, whether that's a favorite brand, excuse me, favorite band, favorite sports team, favorite, favorite, you know, video game, whatever it might be. Um, so the idea is that if you are a brand or an organization or even in university, um, and you're trying to communicate and engage with this generation, you know, they're not picking up the newspaper in the morning. They're not watching the six o'clock evening news, but they are spending a lot of time on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Snapchat, on Discord, on Twitch and other channels. And so you at least need to be there because if you're not there, well, then they, you know, they're not even seeing or hearing from you. But so you've got to at least get in there. And then once you're in there, you've got to be creating and producing and sharing content that is uh, meaningful and authentic and engaging. And what I usually tell brands at that point is that's when you should go. And I won't go too detailed in this because you may ask me later, but that's where you should follow the lead of someone like a brand like Target or Converse and create your own Gen Z incubator or think tank where you're collaborating with Gen Zers to create content that is meaningful, that is authentic, that is engaging on those channels. Yeah, it's it's such a good point. And the reason I, I thought this transitions really well into get real is because if you're going to be on these platforms, the idea is not to try to act like these younger generations. If you're not, I'm not trying to make anyone sound old or anything like that. But like, don't look at what someone's doing who's 14 and say, I'm going to make a video like that. It's not going to translate well. I even think myself in my mid 30s, that would not translate well at all if I did one of these dance videos they're doing. But so you're talking about showing up and having a presence in these places. How can we do this? And you kind of just alluded to it a little bit, but how can we do this without losing our authenticity and showing up as we are, but still somehow engaging, right? Yeah. And the other challenge in that too is, um, and I always say this when I present to corporations and pro sports leagues, teams and others, you know, first thing I say is I know Gen Z is not your only audience you are attempting to engage, uh, right? You're, you're looking to engage millennials, you're looking to engage Xers, boomers, et cetera. So, but when you go to your point on channels where Gen Z over indexes, Obviously, the content should be more relevant to Gen Z. So the way I say it, and I know it sounds fairly simple, um, and again, I just referenced Target and Converse as two examples. Target's a really good example is instead of trying to hypothesize, assume, presume, all those things, just bring Gen Z into the fold. So even if I'm a startup company in you know small town USA, wherever I'm based, well, why not reach out to the local university, the local college, the local community college, the local high school and say, hey, I've got a business here and I would love to give some Gen Zers the chance to collaborate, give them some experience for their resumes and really work together on, um, you know, maybe creating content for channels that they uh, that are preferred by them. And so I've seen a lot more of that. Um, so all of a sudden now you're connecting and collaborating with Gen Zers, you're empowering them as Target and other brands like Wendy's does to um, kind of say, you know, hey, we, yeah, I'd love, you, I'd love for you to run my TikTok channel for my business, my small business, my, my medium-sized business. Um, I want to empower you to do that. I want to, I want to collaborate with you on this. Um, and I, I just think that's, that's, at least to me, is a starting point. And again, whether you call it a think tank, an incubator, uh, the National Hockey League now has, has their version of this, which actually just yesterday I saw they're entering year three already of it. But it's the idea of connecting, collaborating, and together creating something that is meaningful and engaging. Really smart. I love that. That's a really helpful point there. 
I want to transition into the fourth part of the book, which is engaging Gen Z at retail. Now, my assumption before reading this book is that Gen Z being the digital generation, they'd be completely online, like shopping and retail and stuff would be online 100%. But you're saying that the research has shown that that's not the case. Um, so I'm thinking lesson 37 here, making an in-store experience an experience. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's, I would agree with you. It's interesting. And um Gen Z, and again, for those Gen Zers listening, hopefully, again, you're not when I say this. Gen Z really loves what I like to call Instagrammable experiences. So an Instagrammable experience can take place at a restaurant. It can take place at a concert. It can take place at a, at a sports event. It can take place just about anywhere. And the idea is that they want to share their, their experiences on social media to their followers. One, they think their followers genuinely are interested, too. Nothing wrong with getting some likes. Um, but they feel it's really good social currency. So while online shopping hits on a couple of important things for Gen Z, it's highly efficient. It's not a way, you know, I'm not wasting my time. Getting kind of out there into retail, into stores, into cafes, into uh, lunch places, coffee, whatever you want to, it just, it adds to this idea of these Instagram mobile experiences. And what that, you know, again, sights, sounds, the scene, something as simple as uh, an interactive experience within the experience, um, um, they, they're craving. It's again, it's, 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 it's compelling, engaging social currency. So, um, if you can provide that, share that, show that I, I want to come up with a really quick, a couple of really quick examples. I'll, I'll come with one that, uh, I know might even been the book, but one of my uh, Gen Zers said, you know, I got the chance to go to one of the NHL's, um, outdoor games a year or two ago. And there was an ice sculpture of the Stanley Cup. And she said, that is an experience. Like, I can't get that experience online. She goes, we took more photos, more videos of that ice sculpture and shared it. But it was that, again, at a sports event, it was that experience, that unique thing that all of a sudden became a focus of um, great social media, a great experience that then they were sharing. And then all of a sudden they were getting love on social media for this really cool, unique thing that they found at this event. So I think we're seeing more and more, I nothing. we are seeing more and more of that. Um, you know, especially now as we come out of the pandemic, as you go to stores, events, venues, stadiums, you're seeing away from the action, so to speak, just um, visuals, uh, backdrops, and other things that all of a sudden um, make for great video and photo and sharing. You know, to throw in another example here, I was recently at a restaurant and I was watching a group of younger people. Uh, I'm guessing they were probably high school. They wanted to get a picture before they left. There was a few of them and they kept on trying to take pictures. But the lighting in here was it was definitely like, you know, it was a fancy restaurant mood lighting type of thing. And usually that lighting does not show up well on phones. It's not it doesn't make you look good and all that. And they couldn't get a picture. And they finally just left without a picture. And I thought in my mind, I'm like, you know what, this restaurant just missed an opportunity, because now they're not going to show their friends that this restaurant exists, because they couldn't get a picture at it. Therefore, they probably won't come back either, because now they're not going to be able to get a picture, their friends aren't going to see it. I, I thought about them like, uh Oh, there might be like a big missed opportunity not to have one wall or something somewhere. Where it's like you can get a really great picture here. It's set up for that. Because that turns into your your marketing channel, more of that, those people's friends would show up if they saw that. Yeah. So, so, so we carry that through you, everything you just said, spot on, spot on. And again, that was a restaurant, but it could, it could apply to a, a local coffee shop. It could apply to a lot of things. So we take that one step further. If that restaurant, even if it's only one restaurant and it's the only restaurant they own, 
But they, if they had connected with, again, a Gen Zer, maybe even a Gen Zer actually works at the restaurant, maybe he or she's a waiter or a waitress, right? And said, what do you think of this? What should we do? They would give them so many ideas just like you did that all of a sudden, and I hate using this word, but it becomes free marketing for the restaurant. They're not paying for them to shoot this image and share it, right? It's, 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 to me, it's the most powerful form of marketing. It's Gen Zers having a great time, great experience here. And oh, by the way, there's this really great visual or great experience within the restaurant. And now they're sharing it with thousands and thousands and thousands of other Gen Zers, many who probably live in the same area and say, we've got to go there now. You're absolutely right. Everything you said, that's exactly, that's exactly it. And I love that you brought that example. Like even at a hometown, local level, small business, that's how it works. 100%. Love that. All right. I want to transition to the last two point parts of the, the book here, which is engaging at at work and engaging at school. Uh, first off, talking about work, there's something that you mentioned that I thought was very interesting in Lesson 50. And you say it's more about purpose than pay. In all of my uh, research, especially my online quarterly quantitative surveys of Gen Zers, Every time the number one thing Gen Zers claim they're looking for or what's most important to them as they graduate college is, I want to go work for a company that has a culture of diversity, inclusion, and I keep adding now because a lot of companies are doing this now, belonging. And that's what's most important to me. It's not about the pay. Yes, I want to get paid. Of course I want to get paid. And oh, by the way, I want benefits. But in my research, you know, at say 37, 36% in that high 30s, number one is I want to belong somewhere. I want to be part of a culture that's truly diverse, that's inclusive, that welcomes different ideas and different backgrounds and different experiences. That's where I want to be. And, oh, yeah, I do want to get a paycheck, too. Um, so when I do those surveys, um, you know, competitive pay, and again, it varies from quarter to quarter, but, you know, competitive pay may fall in like the 26, 27 percent compared to 34, 35, 36 percent of this idea of going to work somewhere where I really, truly feel included, I belong, and I'm part of this just dynamic culture. And so that's what I think it's, you know, that, and what I say, I, what I say to HR and recruiters, I say, you may recruit them, you may get them there, but if once they're there and they discover, well, this actually isn't really diverse and, you know, I don't really feel like I actually belong here. I feel like I'm just a cog in the machine. They will leave as quickly as they arrive because they will find that somewhere else and they're not going to just sit around and bide their time. So, um, that is priority number one. Again, yes, they want to get content. Yes, they want to be paid. Of course they do. Of course they do. Of course they do. But um, that may be number two or number three on the list. The quote that you had in this lesson was very interesting to me. You said that 93% of Gen Zers say that a company's impact on society affects their decision to work there. That, that's a really interesting thing that all of us, anyone who's thinking about hiring a staff or will at some point, you have to start thinking about what you're actually going to be doing, what you're going to be adding. It's a really, really important point. And I actually think it's a really healthy one. It's healthier than just being the person that chases the dollars, which at one point, that's more how the world worked. We jump around every couple of years to a new career because they pay me a dollar more an hour, right? So yeah, yeah. I think there's something to be said for this, finding a place that you, belong, that you belong and feel like you're impacting the world and staying there. So I think it's going to be a really good future of work. And I would just add, it goes back to the point we made a few minutes ago about the purpose generation. So, right. So it's not just we're the purpose generation and we're going to spend our dollars on companies and brands that we think have a higher purpose. We're going to commit to working for companies that demonstrate this purpose too. So if I can work somewhere where I feel belong, like I belong, where I feel like I'm included, where I feel like I have a diverse uh, family around me. And oh, by the way, this company also does really good things in the world and the community. Ultimately, that's where I want to be. 
you know, and this, this leads me right into our final point here in part six, engaging Gen Z at school. This was a very fascinating section. I'm going to encourage anyone who's enjoying this conversation to grab a copy of the book. I'll be linking to it in the show notes. But in lesson 53, you talk about how they use technology to their in advantage. I know they're very tech savvy, as we already talked about. Can you talk about how this is kind of reshaping school and what it actually looks like? They are very tech savvy. So, I mean, this may not be the best example, but in all my courses that I teach, which are primarily marketing and public relations courses, um, you know, I infuse an element of real time, real world, uh, what's happening right now, what's happened in the last 24, 48 hours, as opposed to, and again, for my courses, I can do this, as opposed to maybe a textbook that was printed five years ago. Um and is already, you know, uh, old. So it's it's the idea of, um, you know, again, I always go back to the idea of delivering real world value to these students that they can then take to an internship, to a job. That value may also come in uh, the form of, um, and, and after every semester, I always get very positive remarks about this, but, you know, bringing in to the classroom, you know, innovative, transformative leaders who right now are CEOs, CMOs, heads of startups, uh, doing interesting and innovative things. You know, students just crave that. They just love that, that all of a sudden they've connected now with, say, someone like even, you know, you, Alex, right? They've, they've connected with you now. They've expanded their network. And it's so dynamic for them because, again, it's someone like you who is being innovative in what you do, who is young and energetic and all those kinds of things. They just crave that. They're looking for that. So it's, I guess it's this idea of this, I sometimes call it experiential learning. I think those are so cool. I would love to go back 10, even 15 years and have those opportunities. I think it's, it's really cool to see where that's going. Mark, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It's been a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed the book as well. Learned a lot from this. Before we end today, do you have any final thoughts on the topic of engaging Gen Z? I would just say, and we covered a little bit, I said a couple things. One, as we talked about, the oldest Gen Zers are only 24, 23, 22. If you're an employer, if you're a corporation, if you're a brand, you know, this is the next most important generation for you. They are. Maybe, maybe they aren't today. Maybe they aren't in 2022, but they will be. Um, obviously, for some, they're important right now. So that's number one. Number two, it's the word you just hit on, engaging. This generation does not respond to traditional advertising, traditional promotions, push marketing. This generation does respond to let's connect, let's collaborate, engage me in some way. And so I think that's the key word that that's why we titled the book Engaging Gen Z. And it's kind of the theme as I go out and speak to companies across America. It's, it's not the old fashioned push, push, push marketing, advertising. You know, it's, it's more about invite Gen Z into the fold, connect, collaborate, engage with them. And you... The result of that will you will have potentially customers for life who advocate and support your brand. So insightful, man. This is just a, a great way to end the episode. Thank you again for being a guest and also for the research you put in this. I know it's just a lot of research that you did. So thank you so much for everything that you've done in this space. Alex, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I don't know about you, but I learned a lot from Mark's research and from this interview. I now have a greater respect for Gen Z and a better understanding of how to include them in my business. This conversation actually inspired me to get more public about the purpose behind my business and how I use my finances to serve others. I certainly hope it's also inspired you to think creatively about how you can include Gen Z's biggest passions in what you do as well. Mark, thank you again for being a guest and helping us all understand how to better engage with Gen Z. 
To pick up a copy of Mark's book, Engaging Gen Z, and for links to more of his work, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 102. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another masterclass episode next week.